Well, turn with me this morning, if you would, to the book of Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Ephesians 4 and verse 11. It says, He, the Lord, gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. Now, we call these ministry gifts, and that's biblical. They are gifts. He gave some. They are gifts to the body. For what purpose? For the what? For the perfecting. Now, we've, for some weeks now, have been on this subject called growing up. And we, you'll see this word perfect in the scripture many times. And what does it mean? Do you remember? What does perfect mean? It means to bring to its ultimate end. It means to complete. And and where growth and development is concerned. If somebody is. uh, The Bible talks about a perfect man. We'll read it in just a minute in this verse. A perfect man. And it's comparing natural growth and development. To spiritual growth and development. A child is born. The child grows and grows and grows. Till they come to the end of their development. They're full, they reach their full potential physically, we'll say. And that is what the Bible refers to as being a perfect man, a fully developed man, a completed one. And do we need something to help us reach this completion, this maturity? Well, God gave gifts unto men. All of these ministry gifts, this is the effect they should be having on us. Now, do you see how twisted and warped the church has become? Uh, Read this scripture again. He gave these gifts for what? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying or building up of the whole body of Christ. And if you read other translations, it brings out that making the saints fit to do the work of the ministry. You see that implication in other translations, just come right out and say it. But so many whole denominations, millions of Christians believe that the ministry gifts are supposed to do the work of the ministry. Are you with me? That that's why they hired their little preacher. So he could do the praying for them and he could do, you know, the funerals and the weddings And the counseling and the visitation, that's his job. Well, what's the believer's job? Uh, Come to church if they can make it. If they're not too busy. (laughs) Well, that ain't going to fly with God. You know, I mean, you might have some people hoodwinked about that. But you stand before the Lord. On that day, it's not going to go. Every believer has a job. Every believer is supposed to be involved in the work of the ministry. That doesn't mean you're a preacher, a teacher. doesn't mean you stand behind a pulpit. But every believer is supposed to be at work in the ministry so that the entire body of Christ is built up and edified worldwide. And God gave the ministry gifts for the specific job of helping the believers to grow up, to be able to do the work of the ministry. Now, do you understand that what I just described, much of the church world does not believe. They're operating on a completely different system. And so that's why a lot of them, I don't know if you know it or not, but probably if you'll think about it, you do. How many ministers have just worn themselves out and they were, you know, had nervous breakdowns and physical breakdowns in their 40s and 50s and are just not able to do? Why? Because they just pushed themselves all day and all night. They tried to do all the praying for their people. They tried to do all, figure out all their problems. They did all the visitation. They did all the, and it never was it the will of God. While they're doing all that, the people are doing nothing. And so they're not developing. They're not going to get any reward. 
They remain babies. Do you see this? But not us. I said not us. No. Keep reading. For the perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Till the preachers. Huh? What? The fivefold ministry gifts. No. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a... There's that word again. What does that mean? Mature, complete man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What does a believer look like when they're fully developed, when they're fully grown up? The Christ, the Master. He is the perfect example of what you look like and what you sound like and what you do and how you respond when you're mature, when you're fully developed. Can you be fully developed? In this life, can you develop? Hmm? Can you? Can you develop until you think like the Lord? thought when he walked the earth that you pray like he did when he was on the earth that you react and respond and walk by faith and walk in authority and walk in power like him can you develop so that you become like him every day every week more and more like him until you have grown up to the full measure the full stature of who of him it's like little kids backing themselves up against the wall and say, measure me, check me, check me. So they put the mark, you know, on the doorway or wherever. Well, what are they looking at again? What are they measuring it against? Usually it's mom or dad, right? Because, you know, when I grow up, I'm going to be like daddy. Well, when we put the mark, we step back and look. How do we know whether it's good or bad? Well, there's another mark over here. <laughs> That's Jesus. Amen. Amen. And we're going to believe we grow until we're like him. Somebody says, you kidding me? You don't think you can be like him. We are commanded to be. The Bible said the servant is not above his master, but everyone that is, remember those words, talks about, yeah, there you go, there you go, will be as his master. Has he called us to be like him? Yes, he has. The Bible said, 1 John 2, 6, He that says he abides in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. He said, you ought to. You're supposed to. Say it out loud. I'm growing up. To be just like my master. I will continue to develop until I reach the full measure of the, of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You believe that? Yes. Keep reading. Verse 14. That we henceforth be no more children. Now you know when people are born again they're babies. And that's fine. It's like in the natural when children are born they're babies. You don't look at them and go why are you such a baby? Because they're a baby. Right? And it's normal for babies to be babies. And to wait on them hand and foot. And them not to understand. But ten years later. I said ten years later. They shouldn't be laying in the bed looking at you to do everything for them. And fifteen years later. They should not be acting like babies. They should have grown. They should have developed. The same thing is true spiritually speaking. Little ones, babies, people that got born again last week and yesterday. Yeah, we're going to pray for them. We're going to use our faith for them. We're not going to expect much out of them. That they know much. But you've been saved 20 years. And you still want us to do all your praying for you. And find all your scriptures for you. And figure out the answer for everything for you. 
And you don't even try to pray for yourself. You don't even try to be led by the Spirit. No, that's not okay. I said, that's not okay. Because if we're doing that, that's going to take up our time from taking care of people who really are babies. That's what many ministers are doing. They're running around, checking on this one if their feelings are hurt or not. Running around, check on that one. Playing politics. Because if they don't, they'll get voted out next month. It's pitiful. I said, it's pitiful. And these guys born again 40 years ago. (laughs) Now, if you're looking for a church like that, this is not it. (laughs) You won't like this one. (laughs) So you'll have to look somewhere else. But if you want to grow up, if you want to grow up, there are some big Benefits to growing up. Oh, we're going to get to talk about a few of them today, I think. Oh, Mrs. Well, I like being a baby. You don't have to think for yourself. You don't have to do a thing. Everybody waits on your hand and foot. Yeah, but babies don't get to do stuff. Hmm? Think of all the things babies don't get to do. I'm glad I grew up. I'm glad I'm not an infant. I'm glad I'm not, I'm naturally I'm talking about, I'm glad I'm not on the bottle anymore. <laughs> there was a time my mom, bless her heart, she'd take food and play like an airplane and go open wide. <laughs> Stick it in my mouth and I'd spit it out and she'd wipe it off, put some more back in there. And I thank God for that. I couldn't have made it to the next phase of development. But I like feeding myself nowadays. I enjoy it. And that I'm not stuck to that green stuff in the little jars. There's some benefits to growing up, aren't there? Major benefits. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you feel sorry for those babies. You look at what they're eating, you think, whoa, what is that? And they got no choice. I mean, they're just stuck in that chair. It's good to grow up. It's good to grow up. Opens up the world to you. Gives you options. Gives you choices. Keep reading Ephesians 4. That we henceforth be no more children. Children are tossed to and fro. Children are carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men, cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Children are easily duped. They're easily fooled. They're easily deceived, aren't they? Why? Because there's so much they don't know. So much they don't have a point of reference for. Same thing is true spiritually. But verse 15, but speaking The truth in love may grow up, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Say it out loud. Speaking the truth truth. in love, love. grow up. up. Look at your neighbor and exhort him and say, grow up. Grow up. 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 (laughs) Look back to him and say, okay. 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 I'm growing up. Now, if you think you don't need to grow up, that's one of the big signs of how much of a baby you really are. I know my father in the faith, uh, Brother Kenneth Hagin, uh, said frequently, he'd say, the more you learn, the less you see you know. And I mean, if you've developed in any area, you found that to be true. Uh, some of the most ignorant people think they know so much. You know, I've had people come and want to take me to task about something. And, you know, you assume they're going to give you a scripture about what they're talking about. And you mention a scripture to them and they look like you said something foreign. Bless the hearts. They're just completely ignorant of the Bible. And yet they want to come argue with you about doctrine. You know, how many of them, before you start to write sentences, you need to learn the alphabet? Got to learn how to spell and some basic stuff. But that's one of the big things. When you're that dumb, you don't even know you're dumb. 
That's a bad place to be in. So dumb you don't know you're dumb. And it's true that as you grow and develop, you learn what you didn't know. You know, I had the privilege of teaching at Rama on the subject of uh, submission and authority. And within that, we taught on pride and we taught on humility. And if I had it once, I had it, I don't know how many times, people would come and tell me, you know, well, Brother Keith, I never had any trouble with pride till I took your class. <laughs> I said, well, you don't have trouble with what you yield to. It's only when you start identifying it and start dealing with it that now you realize. Hmm? Well, let's go on today. Go to 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. 1 Corinthians 13. Say it again, I'm growing up. I'm growing up. No more a child, but growing up like my master. Hallelujah. Who's your master? Jesus, the master, the Christ, the anointed one. Don't you love him? Isn't he wonderful? He's my hero. I want to be just like him. Just like him when I grow up. Don't take any man or woman that you know and love and respect and put them up as your ultimate example. It's shooting too low. So I want to be just like brother so-and-so, just like sister so-and-so. No, no, lift your eyes up higher. If you want to be like them, it's because to some degree they are like him. So go ahead and just get your eyes up a little higher. You want to be like the master. And if you try to follow somebody and be too much like somebody else, you'll reproduce their faults. And everybody has some. So no, don't try to be just, and don't try to imitate and mimic and try to sound like somebody else or look like somebody else. Don't do that. Don't do that. That you be an insecure. You don't know who you are in the Lord. God made you unique. You are a one-of-a-kind masterpiece. Hmm? Well, think about who made you. And who is continually working in you and with you to develop you. Working in you to will and do of His good pleasure. It's Him. Making you perfect in everything to do His will. He who has begun a good work in you, He is continuing and will perform it. And perfect it and complete it. Can you say amen? Amen. Say it out loud. I'm a one of a kind. kind. Masterpiece. Masterpiece. You have to be a masterpiece because the master made you. You're one of a kind. You're priceless. There's not enough money in the world to buy you. There's not enough precious metal. In the universe, there was only one thing valuable enough to buy you and me. It was and is the blood of the spotless lamb. So the next time the devil tries to tell you you're not worth much, ask him, how come the Lord paid so much for you? The Lord's not dumb. He didn't pay a billion dollars for a three dollar item. He knows what's valuable and what is not. Think about what he paid for you. There's not enough money in the world that could buy you. But the blood could. And has. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Uh, Unbelieving scientists. They try to tell us that we are insignificant. That the universe is so vast and so big and our, our little planet and our, us little beings on it are so inconsequential. We are so insignificant because they just cannot accept that God did all this for us. But he did. I said he did. The sun is for us. The moon is for us. The solar system it's for us. This planet, the mountains, the oceans. We're not some afterthought. We're not some inconsequential thing. It is for us. We are the apple of his eye. It's for us. The devil 
always wants to belittle and demean and devalue. Have you seen it? The youth being so promiscuous and adults too. But particularly the youth I'm talking about don't know how valuable their bodies are. And the world is telling them, oh, it's no big deal. It's just, you know, it's your body. It's natural. It's what you're... No, your body is precious. Your virginity is precious. You are precious. The devil will lie to you. He wants you to think there's nothing to you. Your family would be better off without you. It's a lie. You're precious. You're a valuable, vital part. But you've got to start acting like it. You've got to start treating yourself like it. Can you say amen? amen? You are precious. Believe God. The very hairs on your head are numbered. I don't know if you realize that or not, if I have or not, what a staggering thing that is. That God keeps record of all of the hairs on all of our heads every day. We're not just talking about his ability to do it. The question is, why would you do it? Why would you keep up? With something like that. The Bible said even a sparrow falls to the ground. The father knows it. Is aware of it. Keeps up with it. And then he goes on to say the very hairs of your head are numbered. What does that mean? God keeps up with everything concerning us. He keeps track of it. He knows about it. He cares about it. If he didn't care about it, he wouldn't keep up with it. I don't care about it. (laughs) I don't keep up with, do you? Not a person in here does. Say it out loud. God loves me. me. I am precious precious. in his sight. sight. I am a one of a kind. kind. Masterpiece. Masterpiece. Bought and paid for. for. The most precious thing in the universe. The The blood of the lamb. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The devil is a despiser. He is a belittler. He is a demeanor. He is a devaluer. See to it that you do not let him speak through your mouth. That you speak to your loved ones in a demeaning fashion. Did you hear me now? For to do so is to be a tool of the enemy. And even though they may not let on, your words get in them more than they show. Parents, never, ever should you let come out of your mouth to your child that they're worthless. That they're dumb. It can cripple them spiritually. It can cripple them emotionally. Our words have more weight than we've thought. Even if you need to correct them, even if you need to rebuke them, you need to reprove them, there's a way to do it. There's a way to do it in the wisdom of God and love of God so that before it's over with, they might know they've been corrected, but they know that you think they're valuable. We ought to excel in encouraging the brethren. There's been a handful of people in my life thus far that you cannot describe, you cannot put it into words adequately what they have done to your life. People that saw things in me I didn't see in me and spoke of me in ways I had not seen myself and called upon me to do things I did not think I could do but believed in me. And saw it in me. And called it forth. (laughs) They saw value in me. They saw worth in me. They saw dignity in me. They saw the ability of God in me. That I could not see. I did not see. Till I saw it through their eyes. And friend when you see it. You can rise up to it. When you see it. 
You can be it. Let God speak through you. He said, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. But just that which is good to the use of building up and edifying, that it might minister grace to the hearers. Let God put words in your mouth. That when people, I don't care whether it's a five-year-old or a 50-year-old, when they walk away, they feel taller. They walk straighter. They feel more value in themselves. That you saw it in them that they didn't see. Oh, come on, do you see it? Will you do it? It's one of the most important things to our Father that we do this for each other. I'm not talking about vain flattery. I'm talking about sincere and real and genuine. Oh, it's precious. Can you say amen? 1 Corinthians 13 and 9. For we know part of it. And we prophesy part of it. I know we don't like to think it, you know, but uh, preachers, you'd prophesy, anybody prophesy, and you could say that was a partial prophecy. If any of us, why? Because we know in part and we yield to him according to our faith. And if it's partial, what does that mean? We are still developing. We still have a ways to be completed. Verse 10. But when that which is perfect or complete is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I understood like a child. I thought as a child. Now see, you see three main categories where you can see evidence of growing up or lack of it. Number one is what? In your talking. We talked about this earlier. Just in a child's development. What is one of the milestones from when a child, when an infant is born that we see development? It's when they begin to talk. When they begin to speak. It's a milestone in their development. Isn't everybody excited about it? You know, they've been making sounds. Nobody could tell what they were saying. But then you understood. And of course, mom and dad usually differ on what they were saying. One says, that was mama. That was mama. One says, no, that was da-da. It was (laughs) da-da. But after a while, it becomes apparent what it is. They are speaking intelligently. God has made us speaking spirits. And as you grow up, you learn instead of just saying anything that crosses your mind or instead of talking how you feel or talking how you want, a mature one doesn't talk that way. They use their words on purpose to effect change. Can you say amen? Oh, what a lesson. Just because you feel it does not mean you're supposed to open your mouth and say it. Just because you think it does not mean you're supposed to open your mouth and say it. That's being a child. You know, children say some stuff that they shouldn't say. (laughs) They just say it. It crosses their mind. They just say it. But you're supposed to learn as you mature the difference between thinking something and saying it. But we've got a lot of folks that never learned that yet. Feeling it and saying it. What else did he say? I understood as a child. And what else? I thought as a child. Are these areas we can focus on to grow up in? Hmm? If I'm going to grow up, I've got to change the way I talk. I've got to change the way I understand and think. And of course, meditation, understanding, thinking, and talking go hand in hand. I've got to change that. And it will change as I grow and develop. He went on to say, but, let me read the whole thing. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, when I grew up, what did I do? 
I put away childish things. The NIV says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Everybody say childish ways. ways. Say it again. Childish ways. Say it again. I've even heard people say, well, you know, so-and-so, they're older now. They're going through their second childhood, I guess. They've got childish ways. You're not supposed to become more childish as you get older. Do not let the devil sell you this deception about old age and growing older, that you have to be incapacitated, you can't even think for yourself, and you get childish, and you get ill and mean. I guess I should say that again. Do not let the devil sell you that. Yeah, there's going to be changes. It won't be just like you were in your body when you're 21. But you don't have to be sick. You don't have to be incapacitated. You can have good health. Oh, but inside, inside, your last days ought to be the best days of your life. Because though the outward man is perishing, the inward man. Is being renewed and developing. You're just supposed to be stronger and stronger and more full of God and more full of faith and more full of love. That does away with all this mean stuff. Well, if you felt like I did, you'd act mean too. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I had the privilege of working in healing school uh, at Brother Hagin's ministry for years. And I saw a lot of people come through. I mean people in the worst situations physically, awful situations. And I saw people, I'm thinking right now of a lady, bless her heart, she had some of the worst problems physically. And you could tell she's in pain, you could tell she didn't feel good, but still sweet. Did you hear me? And some people there that hardly had anything wrong with them. Just as ill and mean and impatient and short-tempered. You are the way you are whether you're healthy or whether you're sick. People just use it as an excuse. No, you don't feel good. You don't feel good. I understand that. And enough pain can work on you. But it is not an excuse for being mean. It is not. People use it for one, but it's not. It's just yielding to the flesh. And you watch it. These same people would be mean because they're sick. They'd be mean if they didn't have a symptom. It's the truth. If something pushed them and rubbed them the wrong way and bothered them, they'd be the same way. No. But that's a part of growing up. Growing up means growing up in love. Can you say amen? Amen. And it means controlling yourself. And just because you feel a certain way doesn't mean you act that way. Just because thoughts and feelings come to you doesn't mean you yield to them. He said, when I became a man, when I grew up, I put away childish things. I put childish ways behind me. Now, let me just remind you of a few things here. Tell me some childish ways. In the natural. Now we're not talking about infants. We talked about them already. Now we're talking about, you know, they're weaned. They're talking. But they're not teenagers. They're children. (laughs) Selfish. Temper tantrums. (laughs) Stubborn. Children don't want to go to bed. Have you noticed that? (laughs) And then a lot of times what it's going to say, they don't want to get up. Especially if you go ahead and stretch it on out into teenage years. Don't want to get up. Children don't want to eat necessarily what they should. But they want to eat what they like. Ice cream. Potato chips. And if you allowed them to, that's all they would eat. And they'd eat it till they got sick. 
And they wouldn't go to bed till they fell out from exhaustion. And they wouldn't get up. Children. Children don't want to get up and go to school. Oftentimes. They don't necessarily want to study. Children want to play. Don't they? And they'd watch cartoons all day and all night. And that's all they'd do. Or they'd play with whatever they're playing. And they don't want to quit playing. They just want to play and play and play always. And again I say, play. You could sum it up by saying children are not self-disciplined. They have not learned to be self-motivated, self-initiators, self-disciplined, which is why God gave them parents. (laughs) To what? To discipline them. To train them. Notice, not teach. Train. But there is mass ignorance today. Concerning the role of a parent. Parents think the biggest thing. Is that their children's friends think they are cool. And that the biggest thing. Is that their children like them. Wrong. If you do the right thing, your children will love you. But it is not your job to be cool. You trying to be cool and impress their friends means you're insecure. And don't know who you are. And don't know what your job is. Same thing is true spiritually. Phyllis and I are the mom and daddy of this local church under the great shepherd. Our job is not to always try to make you like us. Is it? Our job is to love you and love you enough to tell you when it's wrong. Right? Boy, you could get into something here now, couldn't you? Go to Proverbs. (laughs) When I became a man, I did what? I put away all those childish things and ways. What kind of childish things? What kind of childish ways? Go to Proverbs 22, first of all. Proverbs 22 and 6. Familiar passage to many, but look at it. Hear it with fresh ears. Proverbs 22, 6 says... Train up a child in the way he wants to go. Huh? (laughs) I've seen 25-year-old mothers, 45-year-old mothers in the grocery store with a three-year-old. Say, well, now, baby, what do you want to do? Well, baby, just, I, I'm sorry, but what you tell mommy what you want to do? I don't want to do it. I don't, well, what do you want to do? Ignorant. You don't ask the child what they want to do. Ignorant. That's why they have a parent. We've already been through it. If a child is left to his or herself, what will they do? If you just let them do what they want to do, what will they do? We've already talked about it. They won't go to bed when they should. They won't get up when they should. They won't eat what they should. They'll do stuff too much and they'll do it wrong and they'll do it too long. They are a child. They're not qualified to run their own life. That's why God gave them parents. And notice this word. He said, Train up a child. That's the same word like for training horses. Or training dogs. Train. Not teach. 
Teaching's involved, but train. What does it mean, train? Train. If they do what you tell them to do, it's good they get a reward. If they don't do what you tell them to do, there are repercussions. There's a penalty. It cost them something. Now, we've said this before, but it'll bear repetition. Whether it's spiritual parents and spiritual children, natural parents, natural children... When a child has not done what you told them to do, you have to discern why. First of all, did you communicate it properly? Did they understand? Well, I told them, just because you told them doesn't mean they understood. And you have not communicated until they understand. And it is unreasonable to expect something of somebody and they didn't understand you. They don't know what you want. That's unreasonable. That's being a poor leader, poor parent. So the first thing you got over, child didn't do what you told them to do. You got to find out why. Why didn't they do it? Now watch out. Don't let them snow you. They're way smarter than you think they are. Don't let them snow you. If they really didn't understand, then they don't need punishment. They need to be taught. Ignorance needs instruction. Right? What if they understood perfectly? They understood what you wanted. They just had a better idea. They understood. They just decided they didn't want to do it. Then you should teach them some more. Why? Why would you teach them some more? They already understand. Do you see people are, that's why they're not getting results. They're kneeling down, uh, pleading with the four-year-old, and they're trying to teach them. They understood before what you said. You can talk for four more hours. They already understand. It's not understanding they need. (laughs) And no, I'm not just talking about beating kids. No. Don't jump to conclusions. Don't assume. Ignorance needs instruction. Rebellion needs discipline. It needs to be some kind of discipline. And there are many, many ways to do it, but it needs to cost them something. No talk, action. Don't talk, don't plead, action, action. And that takes more effort than a lot of folks are willing to put in. That's the problem. Daddy and mama's tired. They don't want to fool with it. So they just let it go. And they let it go. And they let it go. Next thing you know, they're in jail. Hmm? Train up a child in the way he should go. Not what, the way he wants to go. <laughs> the what? The way he should go. Is he, is he or she, the child, always going to want to go that way? No. But it's your job. To train them that way. And when they're old, they won't depart from it. Why? Because they've been trained. Not just taught. They've been trained. Training is a far different thing from, uh, from teaching. Military guys know this. Right? They don't just teach you. <laughs> they train you. You do it. And you do it. And you do it. And you do it. Why? Why? Because when you're under fire, when you're in chaos, it's not time to think. It needs to be second nature to you. Pilots, we do that. We go every year and we train and we train. We sit in a class. You have ground school, but only so much of that. And then you get in the plane or you get in the simulator and you go do it. And you do it. And you do it. And even though we, you know, I know uh, Brother Kenneth Copeland uh, been flying for what 40 something years now and he was going to school and mom Hagen was there the Hagens and uh, he said something about him going to school she, and mom said you're going back to school well how long is it going to take you to learn how to fly <laughs> you've been going for 40 something years you know well but you got to train because when something comes up you can't be hollering where's that book what did it say and if you train enough you'll do it uh, before you even start thinking 
Your hands will start moving to the right place when you're trained properly. That's what he's talking about. If these children are trained, they're trained to put their flesh under. They're trained to control their mouth. They're trained to believe God. They're trained to respect God. When they're old and something comes up, they'll do it before they think about it. They're trained to do it. Not just taught. Trained. Can you say amen? Spiritually, the same thing is true. It's our job to train you. It's every minister's job to train those and pastor's job to train them. And so many times it's such a hard thing to do because the ministers don't have any respect. They're hirelings to the people. No, no, no. We're growing up. I said we're growing up. We're growing up. In order to be trained, you have to be corrected. Skip down to verse 15 here. Proverbs twenty-two, fifteen. what does it say? Foolishness. Foolishness. What? <laughs> We're talking about childish ways. Kids are silly. <laughs> They'll be silly at the wrong time. They'll want to goof off when it's time to work. They want to be silly when it's time to go to bed. They want to be silly when it's time to do their homework. They just enjoy being silly. <laughs> Foolishness. It's bound up in the heart of a child. It's going to take something to separate it from them. The English version says children just naturally do silly, careless things. But he went on to say a rod of discipline. The Amplified says the rod of discipline will drive it from them. Now again, it's not just beating a child now. Discipline. There can be times for spanking. I know it's not popular, but it's Bible. God is smarter than all of the child psychologists put together. He has more kids than anybody. And he knows more about rearing them than anybody. We're not talking about child abuse. We're not talking about backhanding a child in the face. We're not talking about hitting a child with a shoe heel. But God designed children with extra padding on certain parts of their body. And you can take something flat and smooth like a board and apply some pressure. And it won't damage them, (laughs) but it will affect their soul. But there are many other ways, many other ways to discipline a child. Many, many other ways. Can you say amen? Amen. Skip on down to uh, Proverbs, the uh, 13th chapter. Now, how does that apply to us as mom and daddy? Are there times when children in the local church need a spanking? But I mean, that is a foreign concept, isn't it? You mean you're going to correct me? Preacher, you better stay out of my life. (laughs) You're going to correct me. Well, then you won't grow up. Go back to the text. God gave us apostles, prophets. Evangelists, pastors, teachers, why? For the perfecting of the saints. Love corrects. Love chastens. No, we don't. We've already talked about this. Not in a mean, cruel, demeaning, devaluing way, but love's going to look you in the eye and say, stop that. Sit down. No, you don't. You don't talk to us that way. Quit that. Just like a parent with a child. The problem is, sometimes you got a spiritual child in a 60-year-old body. So it seems odd. But it's still that way. (laughs) Don't get scared. (laughs) Proverbs, where are you? 13. Verse 24. He that spares his rod, what? We have a lot of parents who hate their children. We have a lot of spiritual parents that hate their children. I've had people look at me, you know, their children were terrors, terrors, never been disciplined, never been trained. 
And they looked at me. I remember this lady. I'm talking about a personal experience. with. She looked at me. She said, well, I, I'm sorry. But I, I can't. I love my children too much. I just can't bear for them not to like me. And, and for them. Well, now what's that got to do with you loving them? So you can't stand how it makes you feel. To do what needs to be done for them. That's got nothing to do with loving them. That's you not wanting you to be uncomfortable. And not loving them enough to go through what you have to go through. So that they turn out right. Do you see this? He that spares his rod hates his son. The Amplified said, he who spares his rod of discipline hates his son. But he who loves him disciplines him diligently and punishes him early. What does that mean early? Do not let stuff slide. Call them on it. I mean, when you see them thinking that way, say, what, what, what are you thinking about? <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh-uh. Don't you even start down that path. No, you don't. You're a fine man of God, and men of God don't do stuff like that. Amen. Don't tell them they're a bad boy. Don't tell them they're a bad girl. Right. No. Remember the power of your words. But don't let them get away with anything. Amen. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Call them on it. Go, whoa, 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 what you doing? What you, you can't do that. Go over and sit down. What do you say? No, you don't talk like that. No, no. Call him. Call him. Call early. He who loves his child disciplines him diligently. That's going to take some effort on our part, isn't it? And punishes him early. Uh, go to the 20th chapter of Proverbs. Just right over to 20. In 20 verse 11. Can you see that? 2011. What does it say? Even a child is known by his doings, whether his work be pure and whether it be right. What is that saying? How could that be? Even a child is known by his doings, whether his heart is right or not. Purity. See, people don't believe that. They excuse all kind of things because they're just a kid. But they know better. People sell children far too short. They treat them like they're dumb. They treat them like they don't know. They know. They know. Little ones. Little ones. Can't even talk. Can't even walk. You tell them don't touch it. They'll reach out and touch it. You spat their hand. They'll look at you. They know better. So treat them like they know better. Don't say, don't just let it go because well, they're just a baby. They're just a kid. They, they know better. Even a child is known by his doings. And man, if it's dealt with when they're two and three and four and five properly, you just won't have trouble like other people have when they're 10 and 15. Where are you now? Go to Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12. Now let's remind ourselves of how this applies to us. Does this apply to spiritual development? Oh, yeah, yeah. Even a spiritual child is known by his doings. Even though you don't know a lot, you can tell somebody's heart. You can tell whether they're sincere, they're trying to do right, or they're not. You can tell it. And if you can tell they're not, don't give an inch. Say it out loud. Ignorance Ignorance needs instruction. instruction. What does rebellion need? Not instruction. No talking, action, discipline. Spiritually, the same thing is true. He said, when I grew up, when I became a man, I what? Now, let's come back to this. I tell you, for time's sake, go to Galatians. I won't look at Hebrews right now. But go to Galatians 
what is it, chapter 4? Childish ways. The list could go on and on and on. Y'all yelled some things out to me. But basically, would you agree? Childish ways, a lot of it has to do with lack of discipline. Hmm? Lack of self-discipline. Making yourself go, you know, you don't see normally a little bitty child look at you and go, I think it's my bedtime. (laughs) So I'm just going to take myself. I don't want to. I want to stay up much TV, but I know I should go to bed. So I'm going to discipline myself. (laughs) uh -uh, uh -uh. But that's what's supposed to happen right away. But can you see that you got 20 year olds won't get up when they're supposed to. Won't go to bed when they should. Yield to the flesh. Why? What is that being? I don't care if you're 40, if you're 50. That's being childish. Lack of discipline. Not self-discipline. You got 50-year-olds. If somebody is not there watching over their shoulder, they won't work. Hmm? They goof off. They play. They mess around. All they want to do is play. I know they're 50 years old, but that's all they want to do is play. Somebody said, well, I, I like being like that. Not really, you don't. You think you do, but you don't. Because children don't get to do things. Children don't get responsibilities. Children are not trusted with important things. Children are, don't get responsible positions and the rewards that go with them. Why? Because you can't trust them to do it. Friend, if you're going to get anywhere, how many have learned that had any success at all? You've got to be self-motivated. You've got to get yourself up in the morning. You've got to make yourself study. You've got to make yourself prepare. Nobody's, as an adult, nobody's going to hold a gun to your head and make you do it. If you don't do it, it just won't happen and you won't succeed. Say it out loud, self-motivated. self-motivated. Self-disciplined. self-disciplined. See, these are characteristics of maturing one. Somebody that's growing up and developing in Galatians 4. I'm trying to close. Galatians 4 and 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differs nothing from a what? A servant. Though he be Lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. When one is a child, I don't care if they are the child of the king. And legally, everything, the whole kingdom belongs to them, succeeding their father. As long as they're a child, they don't get to operate in all those privileges. Because they're a child. They're treated in many ways like a servant. Oh, this is true with us. This is true in the kingdom of God. All things are ours. We've been given all good things that pertain to the kingdom of God. We're supposed to be ruling and reigning. He's grooming and training us to rule and reign with Him. But as long as you're a child, under tutors, governors, you don't get to, you know, you don't let a child fly a jet airplane. Got any sense? You don't put a child behind the wheel of a powerful car. You don't give a child a million dollars cash. And see, now be led with that. Huh? You don't give a child masses of power and revelation. Because they won't do the right thing with it. Until they've proven themselves responsible. Until they've proven themselves faithful. Only then. Until they've grown up, can you treat them like what they were born to be? Like what they are. Keep on reading. He says, just a few verses later down here. He said, verse 7, wherefore you are no more a servant. And I could say this goes parallel with being no more a child. But you are a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Hallelujah. Stand up on your feet. Lift up your hand to the Lord. Begin to praise the Lord that you are a child 
of the Most High, but you are now becoming a son, a maturing one of the Most High God, no longer a child, no longer as a servant, but a son, as a son, as a maturing one. Pray it out loud. Say, Father God, thank you that you are my very own father. I am your very own child. Thank you for loving me and teaching me and training me and disciplining me so that I grow up and am no longer a child, no longer unstable, no longer undisciplined, but a child Growing up up. to become a mature one, help us us. to grow up up. into the fullness of the privileges and responsibilities of sons, mature ones, sons of the living God. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.